Hello, and welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. You're going to hear the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of everyday coaches, scouts, executives, and even entrepreneurs that are making their mark in baseball and in life by pursuing their passion and love of the greatest game on earth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Love the Game, Live the Dream. Hey gang, welcome back to yet another episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream. That's right, we're still here. It is episode nine. I'm pushing up on double digits here. Hopefully we'll get that 10th episode done within the week. Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in and staying with me. Hopefully you're sharing this and passing it on to your fellow Seamhead friends and family members. I think you're really going to like my guest today on the show. His name is Corey DeHaan. And Corey is a hitting instructor with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, We met at the American Baseball Coaches Association convention last month in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was a fantastic time. Over 6,000 coaches there doing their thing. I highly suggest getting out to that next year if you've never been. Uh, Corey was on a list of guys that I wanted to interview uh, for the podcast here, and he graciously accepted without hesitation. Just a great guy. We got to know each other at the international uh, breakout session for international coaches. And once we found out that we were both from the uh, the Hawkeye State, the great state of Iowa, well, it didn't take long for our conversation to uh, just keep going. I'll go ahead and give you guys a couple of snippets here of Corey's background. I don't want to give away too much. I think you're going to enjoy listening to this interview in its entirety as Corey shares with us some of the struggles and triumphs along his journey as a professional baseball player, professional coach, father, husband, etc. So let's see. He, as I mentioned, is from the great state of Iowa where he attended high school and excelled in multiple sports uh, before choosing baseball and going on to play at Morningside College in Sioux City, Iowa. After his junior year, he was drafted in the seventh round of the 1997 amateur draft by the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, later acquired by the San Diego Padres in the Rule 5 draft, where he made his major league debut in April of 2000. So just three short years after being drafted, he was in the big leagues. So not bad, not bad at all. Spent a few years going back and forth between AAA and the big leagues before calling it quits and retiring in 2004 when he decided to become a business owner for the first time. And I'll let him explain that in the interview. That lasted till 2009 when Corey decided it was time to get back into baseball. He reached out to the Pittsburgh Pirates and started his professional coaching career, and he is now currently going into his seventh spring training as a hitting instructor for the Pirates there in Florida, where he currently resides with his wife and two daughters. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy my interview with Corey DeHaan. Welcome to the show, Corey. How you doing, buddy? I am good, Nick. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, you got it, bud. Sorry about that. I know it's always a little tough to come in with no intro. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, anyway, look, man, I'm I'm glad to have you on the show. First and foremost, I just want to say it was just it was great meeting you at the uh, the coaches convention in Indianapolis. It's always uh, nice to come away from there with a, you know a couple of new friends in the in the industry and you know our connection of Iowa, which is always something that you know you, you run into someone from Iowa anywhere in the world and it's uh, it's in instant bonding, right? Totally. No, you're exactly right. It was a fun time to hang out and, and like you said, pick up uh, some new uh, friends and acquaintances and, and learn some stuff. It's I, I find my time at the ABCA convention just really valuable towards how my the next year teaching is going to maybe be focused. So. Right, right. Well, look, okay, so love to uh, get going on here. And the way I like to do things on this show is we start all good stories at the beginning. Real quick, shoot me your birth date, birthplace, and your sibling count. Have you got any brothers or sisters? Absolutely. I was born July 16 in 1976, so I'm a bicentennial baby. Uh, I was born in Pella, Iowa, uh, and that is literally a uh, a Mm. touch of Holland. It is a little touch community of about 10,000 people back in uh, central southwest Iowa and southeast Iowa. Yeah. The home of the Tula Festival, absolutely. We had every every year we grew up uh, da- doing dances or driving in the parade or doing something, and it was pretty <laughs> cool. Awesome. And and then I do have two younger sisters, so I'm the oldest, and I've got a about a year younger than myself, and then three years younger than myself is another sister. So two younger sisters that are both married and still living back in Iowa. Wow. The the big brother. How did you like growing up uh, w- with uh, two younger sisters? Did you miss having a brother? Or did you have enough buddies to fill that void? I, I had buddies and I had a really cool uh, dad who just poured into me and, and did whatever it took for sports wise. Uh, I was, again, privileged. We He ended up putting a small little batting cage in our backyard and we'd go out there and hit like crazy because he, he said he was sick of chasing all the balls down on the field that we had to go go get every time so it was yeah. he, he he invested a ton of time and and outside of that though i loved hanging with my sisters i was probably a little more mean to them than i should have been but <laughs> right. uh they yeah we we still uh hang well, out and, and are well connected now so yeah it's tough man i mean I'm, I'm sure your dad felt sorry for you too because you guys were outnumbered right uh, in in the household <laughs> yeah. there i mean it's it's understandable oh, yeah. It's understandable to ha- have a little tension, right? Be a little angry every now and then when you got three Absolutely. three women in your house. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually it's worked out perfectly. God God had it orchestrated perfectly because now I have my wife and three daughters. There you go. Uh, in yeah. in my household, so he was setting me up for for what I was gonna be living in currently. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's great, and you got the experience, right? I think gir- girls are easier to hang to deal with anyway, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't say completely easier, but it's so fun yeah. to see uh, their personalities and to see their differences. Yeah. And yeah, it is. Yeah, it's they're a little bit more applicable and and will listen to you without having to whack them so hard over the head. Say, <laughs> dude, do you get it? Do you not? Right. Do, why don't you do what I tell you? Let's go. That's right. Well, we'll, we're definitely going to get back into a little bit of family talk later on in the show. So I want to keep it moving here. And just if you would give me a quick little, you know, you don't have to go into too much detail or you if you want to go for it. But uh, just a little background on on how you first fell in love with the game of baseball. It sounds like your dad may have introduced it to you, but give me a little rundown from the first time you were introduced to the sport and through Little League and high school and, and college and all that. Love to love to hear your journey. Sure, Nick. No, um, 
I, again, parents, cousins, uh, sports was always a big deal in the house. My, my dad was always a coach and around and, uh, I just, I quickly learned that I enjoyed sports a lot more than I, I learned, uh, studying or books. And, and yet again, I, I learned my journey still where I've gotten to that. It's so, so important to do the studying and to, to do the extra stuff with that. But, uh, leading up into that, um, kind of a multi-sport athlete in high school, I uh, went to a local Christian school and got to play basketball and baseball and, mm-hmm. uh, didn't, did not play football. But okay. other than that, I think that actually saved me health-wise a little I, bit to, to continue yeah. to <laughs> further play the game. I agree, but, yeah. But we ended up, uh, got into, we we won the state championship in baseball my senior year and had a really good experience. My sophomore year, though, I, I said, you know what, if I want to do anything further in, in sports, uh, baseball, I think is going to be my best avenue. And, and I just started pouring in time into baseball uh-huh. and with, with the hopes of, Hey, go to college, maybe get a scholarship. And, and I always had a dream of playing professional baseball. I'd, I'd watch it all the time. Uh-huh. And I just would always try and see myself being one of those guys on the field. And the right. cool part about that was that my folks, as much as they, you know, supported me, um, in the back of their minds, they were saying, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. Um, but the cool part is they never told me that. So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. they, they kept the fire lit, which was awesome. And I, yeah. I just, I kept growing, kept developing. They always gave me some opportunities to, to do what I loved. And after that, uh, went to college. Uh, I had an old time scout back in Iowa that worked with me and, um, mm-hmm. he just, he kept saying, listen, Wherever you go, whatever you do, if you want to get into pro baseball, the scouts are looking for always improvement throughout the year and to the next year. It doesn't matter where you're at, if you're at JUCO or if you're at Division One, mm-hmm. um, if you're improving from year to year, that's what they want to see. Right. And so got into got into college, played some Sunday ball. Actually, I, I went to Morningside College up in Sioux City, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then played some summer ball at Clorinda, Iowa, which exposed me with for the Everleys, which exposed me to just different diversity from guys all over the country coming together to play uh, some summer baseball. It was so it was as close to a professional type setting as possible. But I had some success uh, doing that, and and then I went back for my junior year uh, to Morningside and was fortunate enough to put a, another good year in and got drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the seventh round of the 1997 draft. And I was very, very, yeah, just very fortunate for the, by the Pittsburgh Pirates who ended up drafting me uh, as an outfielder then. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to back. uh, Can I jump in just for a sec? I just, I wanted to, to, to back up just for a second in that stage where uh, you were coming out of high school. Like you said, you, you started to focus on baseball because you realized it was your, your best chance or your, your, uh, you know, the best sport. Right. So when you made that decision and your parents, I love it. I could just picture them sitting up at night after you've gone to bed or something like, are you going to be the one to tell them this is crazy or do you, (laughs) is it going to be me? And they just decided not to and let you, I love that. That's great. That I think a lot of times parents get in the way of that decision or, or that way of thinking either by giving too much praise and giving you a false sense of security or the other way, of course, right. Shooting your dreams down. So I think it's great that your parents took a a Switzerland route there and just decided to, to let you figure it out on your own. So with that being said, I wanted to know when you made that jump to college, 
And then you get to the game where the game's faster. And now, now you got all the best guys in high school at your college. So when, when the competition started to jump up, how did you feel? Did you feel confident in your abilities at the time or were you overconfident in them? Were you? Absolutely. Just like anything, I mean, you go in with uh, uncertainty of, okay, can I handle this? Can I, can I play at this college? Can I play at this level? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the biggest deal that I had was that coach Jim Schulton at the time was uh, very confident in me. And he said, listen, I, I, I want to give you the first opportunity to, to lose this job. And I, I believe in you. And, and so just coming in as a freshman, we had a couple other good freshmen too, but they just said, Hey, we're, we've got some, some young under underclassmen coming in. That's going to help this program. And with his belief and affirmation that again said, okay, mm-hmm. let's, let's get after this and let's do it. And yeah, then no chance that I, I, I did okay, but I was still underdeveloped. Uh, I didn't lift in high school. I, mm-hmm. I never, I was a tall, skinny kid and um, mm-hmm. still kind of young for my grade, but ended up um, learning in college how to live on your own, um, mm-hmm. how to just figure life out a little bit more. But then your body starts developing and growing and you start uh, putting on some pounds. And mm-hmm. I just, I got faster and stronger and, and a little bit better in, in every area. And then at times, again, baseball is still such a mental game of, am I good? Am I, am I feeling it today? Can I do it today? Uh, so you're, you're still always battling that. If you're, you're not doing well at the plate, if you're you know, struggling seeing the pitch or even putting the ball in play. Mm-hmm. And yet, how do you battle through that self-belief of doggone it? I've done mm-hmm. this before. I can do it. I, yeah. It'll come. I just got to keep my head up and you really do have to tell yourself that, but also it's great when you have others around you that'll come beside you and say, Hey man, dude, I've seen you do so well. Keep it up. Keep pressing, keep pushing for it. It'll happen. Yeah. And you, I mean, you've definitely, you know, paid your dues for sure. I mean, as far as the amount of times you've had to go back to that well, right. And, and, and figure out a way to get through it again. I mean, from 97 to when did you retire? 2004 after the 2003 season, was that your last year in ball? Correct. And yep. you know, that's a lot of time. You know, that's that's double the what, might even be triple the average now, is it? I, I'd have to look that up. But I know uh, most guys don't make it seven years in pro ball <laughs> still yeah. you know, grinding it out. And let me ask you this. So getting the taste of the big leagues, uh, what was it, three years in, four years in? Um, obviously, was did that come at a perfect time for you, would you say? Or was it, uh, you know, I, I spoke to other guys, I had Brian Barton on the show, a good friend of mine. And for him, it was, it was, it was something that came just right at the nick of time where he was starting to feel, you know, am I, am I doing the right thing by going and back for another year? You know what I mean? Mm, mm. Uh, so I was wondering what you, what, what, how it worked for you, if it, uh, kind of gave sure. you the boost you needed to, cause then you, you know, you go back down and then you come back up again, you start playing that game. Yeah. And that's, so I was probably not as prepared as I could have been uh, uh-huh. to join the big league team. And I'm saying that because uh, in 1997, I was drafted, I was still playing college and I was playing in the big leagues in 2000 already. So I had only mm-hmm. half a season and then two full seasons in minor league. And I played six weeks in double a and had not even played triple a ball. And I got rule of five to the Padres. And one of the stipulations is that they have to keep you in the big leagues all year to keep you. Mm-hmm. And so I got, I went from playing six weeks in double A to trying to survive basically in, in the big leagues, but yet having some success uh, and still trying to understand, okay, what is this all about? What is this rookie thing again? Uh, 
all the hazing, all the good times with that too. Uh, right. But was I prepared also to handle the, the, the limelight, the, the finances, the mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can learn some valuable lessons getting thrown into the fire like that. And oh, especially at 23 years old. Yeah. 20. <laughs> I know 22, 23 years old. I was, <laughs> my jaw was dropping every time I'm coming to the park going, am I really playing with Trevor Hoffman and Brett Boone and, and Ryan Klesko and, and, and I'm getting paid to do this. Are, I'm getting a check on the first and the 15th. <laughs> unbelievable. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can so, imagine. Yeah. Only imagine. Um, yeah. So you're still kind of, you're trying to learn, you're trying to catch on and make sure that you're holding your own and not doing anything crazy. that you are going to get crucified. And, and, and <laughs> yeah. Court for. Right. Um, yeah. But, but willing to take, Hey, this is the rookie part of things too. And, and I'll wear whatever I need to wear though to get through mm-hmm. it too. So, mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. So I just wanted to throw out a couple more questions on this and then we'll, we'll move to a little bit about your life outside of baseball and moving on to the coaching profession. But, you know, you mentioned it already, it, the challenges that were along the way with you, you know, grinding it out uh, every single day, not just on the field, but off the field. I mean, it, it, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this understand that life of a minor leaguer isn't as glorious as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, so, you're right. You know, I mean, you know, like you said, you, you are you are getting to play baseball and that's a blessing. But, you know, you are living off, you know, hardly any money and the buses, the hotels and then the off season. So what was can you give me one example of one particular moment or maybe it was a series of little ones that just made you rethink your decision and maybe even want to take a different path, say, go back to school or get a job or start a business or something like that? Uh, or were you just that focused all the way through every single day? for those, you know, seven to 10 years. Sure. Well, and back in college, I ended up having a, an orbital blowout fracture where I ended up losing, um, had double vision in my mm-hmm. right eye. And by the, again, by the grace of God, I was able to uh, stay focused. I could still see when I looked directly uh, straight ahead and to the right, but I, mm-hmm. I struggled, especially when I was really pushing the stuff to, to have a ball come into focus if I'm looking straight up without moving my head. Mm-hmm. So I say that to say um, coming up through the minor leagues and into the big leagues was awesome. Um, I, I kind of, I was fortunate to be that guy that kept jumping levels every year and get the opportunity mm-hmm. to play at the high, highest level. And then, but once I had played at the big league level, I went back down to triple a, then triple a again, and then just a little bit of big leagues and triple a again and injuries have happened. And, and there's frustration coming because man, I'm at a point here where I'm turning into that 4A player. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not meeting expectations of myself and also of other people that had told me, hey, you're going to be a 10-year you know, M- MVP type uh, or all-star in the big leagues, and, and you're going to be a, a dude that's and, – and you're trying to uh, do the best you can. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I, was, I became frustrated, and I, I wasn't making the cut, I felt. And, right, and right. my eyesight was, was becoming a little more of an issue too. And so I ended up leaving the game a little bit frustrated and said, well, uh-huh. fooey on you baseball, I don't need you. And, and I'm going to get out and get into the real life of, of what maybe I'm, I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was a, definitely a challenge doing that. But so really then it wasn't till the end when, when you were going to hang them up that you really started to think about there was something else i mean it correct but there was nothing even as you were going through because uh, you did you finish at morningside or did you come out early you, you came out early to the draft right i came out early as a junior uh-huh. and and that then again led back into 
well, I'm good on my feet. I can learn and pick stuff up. I don't need a four-year degree is my mindset. And plus, sure. again, I didn't like studying a lot. Right. And getting back into out of baseball into real-world stuff, I mm-hmm. went through a, a business, owning a business, and mm-hmm. seeing some successes, but also not planning and not having a, a, a prepared plan to really deal with hard times as well. And right. um, in, ended up, once I decided to try to get back into baseball as a coach, uh, I wanted to also prove to myself that I could finish school and, and, and again, just to show my girls, hey, it's worth sticking it out and getting your college degree and Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, it was one of the best things I ever did was going back to, I ended up finishing on Phoenix online and yeah. actually went to some on, on, uh, some courses there at the, uh, university of Phoenix there in Arizona and Chandler and just ended up, uh, really what I needed to help me articulate better, write better, uh, have a better understanding for processing information. And it, it, it's helped me tremendously finish up my, uh, just to where I'm at right now through my career. That's great. That's great. Good for you. What was the business yeah. that you had? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I was a business partner with a great guy uh, in Arizona, and we owned a landscaping and pool company. Great place and to do that. It was. <laughs> it was. It was. I tell you, it was a perfect time. We 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 learned from a, an older veteran company, and then we decided to go off on our own and give it a shot. And it uh, it was awesome. And, mm-hmm. and then the the downturn of home market from oh seven oh eight, and we just we hadn't prepared and we weren't ready for it, and it just unfortunately just just kicked us in the shorts. And so yeah. uh, again, yeah. I went back on my hands and knees to to friends and baseball and understanding. I mean, I, to to do the business and huge life lessons in that. But I'm like, yeah. what am I really here to do? What am I called to do? Right. What do I love doing. Yeah. And uh, how old were you when that happened? When you were when that business was done and you were back to the drawing board, so to speak. How old was I? So Remember? it was probably 2009 is when I got back into baseball. So mm-hmm. that's almost nine years ago. So I was around 32. I was okay. around 32 because I'm I'm 41 yeah. now, and uh, you still got a ton of life in front of you, but still you're yeah. you're like, man, what? what's going on? What, what am I doing? And yeah. no, I'm, I was right there with you. Same age. That's why I always like to ask this question. Cause we're, we're, we're close. You're, you're my, uh, my younger brother's age, uh, 76. Okay. And I always like to, you know, ask guys, was there a point where you just kind of sat? Like for me, it was the same thing. I sat down with a pad of paper and a pen and said, just write down three things you love to do. And let's figure this out, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and baseball was at the top, you know, it was, it was right in there with, uh, you know, hanging with friends and watching movies, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, it's like the first things yeah. that pop into your head. So how do I, how do I figure out how to make money doing, you know, one of these three things? Um, yeah. well, that's a great story, man. I love, I love hearing that. And so now you're, you're, you got back into coaching, you finished the degree, you said, now it's time to go back to coaching. Did you go right back into pro ball or did you test the waters, uh, at the amateur level with high school or college? Sure. I, I ended up, uh, pushing to get back into pro baseball because that's, that's what I knew. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I didn't so, uh, because I did not have my degree yet in college. I didn't feel like getting back into the college area was the oh, best. There you go. Yeah. In high school, I it just, for some reason, I wasn't planning on going back to my hometown or anything. And so mm-hmm. that just, 
I wanted to try to get back in that pro side because I still had so much to learn about the game, even from the coaching side. Uh, I had been a player, but even right. on that coaching side, what, what do I believe as a coach? What, what am I trying to push here? How, what, mm-hmm. what's, and, and so even in that, I was a little unsure of myself, even as a coach. And, and I, again, played at the highest level. But getting around mm-hmm. other coaches that have uh, and other guys that have the willingness to share and give you insight and give you what the wisdom that they've learned uh, as coaches throughout the years. And then I can beg, borrow, steal, and, and kind of create how I can utilize that information that they've given. Because mm-hmm. truthfully, I mean, you're not – all coaches, all especially baseball coaches too, we're trying to figure out, okay, what's the, the, what the missing ingredient? What's something that I can come up with that's completely mm-hmm. new and the, the secret sauce that hopefully we'll be able to, to work here? And really, there's not all the, all the information <laughs> yeah. out there, but it's how we yeah. relate it to our player. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's always been the challenge for, for me as well. Is uh, But, you know, once you – you start to, it sounds to me like you've figured that out as well. It's like once you be, you believe in the fact that you're not reinventing the wheel, but let's focus on the communication side of things and how am I going to get this message to this kid versus this kid versus this kid, which for me, once I started focusing on that, that actually helped me in every every part of the coaching process. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. once once you get that, that communication down with, with the person you're working with and you know, you get to that point where, okay, I understand. They understand what I'm saying when I say this, and uh, yeah. now we can move forward and actually make some progress. And that, and and that's hard to do. And that's so so hard to do because really, yeah. it takes time. It takes investing in the relationship with with each kid, and and it's not just and at the lower levels, especially and with you know parent uh, driven teams, you just you don't have time a lot to right. to invest and, uh, and even and it's a two way street. Too. Yeah. You know, it's a two-way street yeah. too. The other person's got to feel the same way on that on their end of the relationship, right? That they want to learn, they want to get better, and they're open to to listening. So it, Correct. that's being coachable. Yep. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things about learning. You know, you mentioned going back to school and learning how to write better and do all those things that we kind of overlook as we go through life. But th- that's one of my favorite parts of learning too is 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 uh, seeing the different teachers. You know, who, which one really you resonate with. Yeah. 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 No, you're exactly right. But to answer your question, I ended up getting into, I got an opportunity through a friend, knew somebody out in, out in California, actually, uh, Chico, uh, California is where we had a, yeah. a golden league is an independent ball uh, team out in Chico, California. And I ended up, um, hooking up with, Oh, I'm going to shoot myself now for forgetting his name, but a big, tall left-handed pitcher for Oakland back in the eighties and uh good, good, good dude. And he ended up managing, I was a hitting coach uh, for uh, the, the Chico outlaws was the name of the team in, in mm-hmm. 2009. And, and so ended up figuring out, Oh my goodness, I do not care to be an independent ball though. After that year of experience with it, because there were just, there were no rules. There was, there was nothing guys were, I, I saw stuff. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to see that ever again. Mm-hmm. And, and so the Padres, San Diego Padres actually opened up a door for me to come in as a hitting coach uh, with them at their lower levels. And I got to spend two seasons as a hitting coach with the Padres and then through my connections with the pirates again, too, and just staying in touch, I was able to uh, the, uh, join the Pittsburgh pirates after in the 2012 season 
and I've been with them since since 2012, and I think I'm looking to go into my seventh season here uh, with them and all. I've done hitting coach and manager and even as a fill-in outfield base running bunting rover last year, a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to do that. Now this year I'll, I'll be a hitting coach again at, at the lower levels to be able to be home with my family here in Bradenton uh, the most, and, and I'm very, very fortunate to be able to do that. So. Yeah, that's you were telling me that the other day when we were talking. That's a very rare situation where you get a chance to be home uh, for dinner or at least after dinner a lot in the nights there uh, with your yep. family. A lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of guys in baseball would love love that setup, right? <laughs> no doubt. No, Kyle Stark and Larry Broadway—they've been very generous with with me here, and I, I owe them a debt of gratitude for sure for that. So, Pittsburgh Pirates, we are family. Uh, Amen. <laughs> one of the one of the first World Series I remember watching as a kid and actually remembering and knowing what was going on in the game, uh, them against the Orioles. I was so excited that I went out and uh, went as Roberto Clemente for Halloween uh, during mm. that, because he was one of my favorite players growing up. I did a book report on him, like a lot of kids do, you know, during that time, yeah. he just, just passed away. And uh, he was just, you know, he was awesome. So uh, that's, a, that's my that's Pittsburgh cool. pirate story right there. And I actually, I just wrote, I actually, actually just wrote an article uh, I'll send to you later. That's going to be published on college baseball scouting network. Uh, it was a part two of my follow-up on the differences between Latin players and U.S. Uh, players. And I just covered hitters and mentioned Roberto Clemente in there again. So that's funny. That's coming all around back to you and the Pittsburgh Pirates. But that's why I was asking you those questions the other day because trying to get some insight from, from different guys around, uh, you know, guys especially like yourself that are hitting coaches that are in the trenches with these guys, some other coaches and managers and some scouts I reached out to as well to get their thoughts on it. And it was just – it was funny, you know, like I texted you every – everybody kind of was on the same page. You know, like you're saying, we're not reinventing the wheel here. And the, the guys that know, they know, you know, <laughs> this, yeah. like, this is it. You know, and, and it was just amazing how almost word for word in a lot of my responses that I got back were, were similar to yours, you know, seeing the same thing. But um, I agree wholeheartedly with you because it really is tough to, we've got to find better ways to continue to educate our younger hitters and especially our, our right our international players too that come across that haven't had that affordability yeah. that we have here in the States to, to grow up playing it a lot with the IQ and stuff. So right. it, we've got to keep working on that. So how do you do, how's your Spanish? Are, are you no. uh, professionally proficient yet? <laughs> I, I am. I am. Yeah. I've, I've made it purposeful towards learning. And, and I mean, even they've got great apps out there now that I just can sure. do every day on my phone with Duolingo and stuff. But oh, yeah. the biggest, the biggest part is just speaking with the guys and just saying, Hey, I'm still learning Spanish. Please be gracious with me if I mess up, but I want to practice with you. And yeah. it's kind of a cool way. Then they say, okay, well, I want to practice my, my English with you. And right. so feel free to, and, and we'll build bonds doing that as well. And I'll look foolish and they'll look foolish sometimes, but it, it at least it gets us practicing and that's what we need to do with right. um, with the language do you feel this is a little off topic but like i said we can edit this stuff out i just am enjoying this conversation i was going to ask <laughs> do you feel that the facilities and the organizations i know you've been mostly with san diego and pittsburgh but you know down the dominican do you get a chance to go down there for winter ball or for for summer ball and work with the hitters down there and go to the facility work out of the facilities there we do. The Pirates are awesome at that. I didn't actually get to the DR with the Padres, but I know they have a vested interest in uh, their academy, and it's a gorgeous setup down there. 
Um, I think the Pirates initially four, five, six years ago, when they when they put a lot of money into their academy, uh, were one of the best places around. It was very similar to our academy here in the states, our Pirate City here in Bradenton, um, that it was top notch for those kids to be able to come and eat and sleep and work out and have a very mm-hmm. safe environment to do that in. And so even with that, the pirates encourage the coaches, uh, as many as can get down there, go down there. And we, we do an instructional league in the fall. So once the season's done at the end of the minor league season is done at the end of uh, August and, and playoffs, hopefully into early September, uh, we do instructionally here in the States from middle of September into middle of October, usually. Well, the Dominican has an instructional league that will start about early October and go into almost December. Mm-hmm. And so to give them a little bit of reprieve, those coaches down there, uh, they schedule as many coaches as possible to head down there and, and spend a week at a time and just live, live down there in an apartment and, and be around and start again, connecting with the players to get a face with names and to, to learn your Spanish and to, to have a feeling for what they have grown up in. And when they get to the States, okay, I've got to remember, man, they're coming from a, a lot different scenario than, than what I was brought up in or that our yeah. Amer- North American is. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask you that if you thought um, that the, that these guys were getting the, you know, the education and the, at least some, some classes on, on speaking English and whatnot to help bridge that gap when it comes to the instruction. Cause I know in the past, it's been really tough on those guys and, you know, yeah. you get a coach that may not have the patience for it or maybe even the wrong attitude altogether um, yep. that uh, don't give them, you know, a whole lot of opportunities to, to get better just because the, the language barriers is frustrating. So I was just wondering if that's getting any better from your perspective. And I'm sure the, I know the, I know the pirates are awesome in that, that regard. So, um, yeah, yeah, they do a nice job with it. And, and again, the people that don't get that and don't understand that, dude, it's not all about just your one way of thinking that, that they've got mm-hmm. to adapt to us. We've, We've got to do our part to try and adapt to them as well and, and That's right. show that we're trying to yeah. learn. And uh, the Pirates do a great job of helping get the kids that maybe don't have a high school education. They actually mm-hmm. go to high school classes as well, and they're going to get their whatever it is, like a GED or their sure. high school diploma also. And some of our coaches are actually going through that process too with, with down in the Dominican. But, yeah, that's, um, awesome. it's, that's great. Yeah, it's totally up to the, the pursuit and the passion of what each individual wants because it's, right. you're not going to get somebody to speak English if they don't have a passion to, to even try or to do go. it. And that's, that's the toughest part. Yeah, I understand. Well, that brings me to the all uh, – all important encompassing big question of why do you, why do you do it? What, what was it that, mm. that got you back into it? Did you, did you miss it as a player or were you really, and I'll just let you answer. Why do you do it? Yeah, I, I love, I, I do it for um, coming alongside and, and embracing a relationship with a guy that where I hopefully am able to give them something uh, to help them uh, pursue their dreams with, to pursue their journey with, to, to grow in. And, uh, and it just, it brings me joy to, mm-hmm. again, not only with my family or with my friends, but to see these young kids uh, grab onto something. And maybe I get to be one of those people that, that 
has them have an aha moment. They, they have an aha moment because of what we worked on and they felt something and it clicked and it's working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's, that's the fun and the joy because I remember being in that spot and having coaches that weren't like that at all. They just said, Hey, you have to do it this way or else basically you're not playing or, yeah. you know, they were just hard, hard. They didn't connect. I didn't connect with them at all. And it was hard, hard to play for them. And so I want to be a guy that can try to connect to as many people as possible, can give them some good dope to be able to further them along to their career, to help them achieve their, their, uh, the goal of making it to the big leagues or, right. or wherever. And then also I've learned over the years too, I, I can't rely totally that I'm going to be that person that's going to give them that aha moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there's going to be a part of their life too, where I'm just, I'm just supposed to keep pushing them along the path. Right. And even if they don't get that aha moment yet, at least we, we did some really purposeful practice towards mm-hmm. having him, him get that, that, that feeling or the, the, the successful move, uh, that's going to create that. And if it ends mm-hmm. up being for another guy, awesome. But we were, we were all little touches and nuggets of, sure. Of, on that path uh, to help them get to where they're getting or they're going to. So that's a great point, Corey. I'm going to have to write that down and remember it again, because you're so spot on with that. You know, it doesn't Hmm. just because you're not the guy that does the aha moment doesn't mean that you didn't, you said, keep that, keep that guy on his path, on his journey. And uh, some other coach gets to, to see that light bulb go off down the road. That's a good thing to remember, man. I really like that. And you know what it reminds me of is it reminds me of what Augie Garrido said at the, uh, at the convention there in Indianapolis mm-hmm. talking about how yeah. as coaches and as teachers, you know, mentors, whatever, we don't get the reward till years down the road, you know, 20, 20, 30 years later when you're, yeah. <laughs> when your students come back as adults and really go, wow, man, i remember that time that you were there and, you know, taught me this, that, that led to this, that led to this. It's just, <laughs> it is, it's how'd you make them feel? How'd you make them yeah. remembering an, an instance where you guys bonded or you guys had uh, something goofy or something memorable? Like, I mean, it always seems to be like a fight on the field, but usually hopefully it's not always, right. but it's, right. it's something memorable that, man, remember that time, you know, yeah. it, it, that's what, that's what joins you together, which is cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are you ready to play a little game here? Oh, always. Yeah. I'm giving you, I'm giving you three pitches. All right. Three questions. You get a fastball, you get a curveball, and you get a meatball. All right. Ooh, <laughs> so, I like it. You need to get a quick drink of water and uh, get yourself positions back straight, <laughs> chest out, ready to go, buddy. I'm going to fire at you. Okay. <laughs> Bring it. Let's go. Okay, buddy. Your first pitch is a fastball. All right. And I'm going to let you decide if it's a two seamer or a four seamer. Um, mm. Who is your favorite athlete of all time? Not just baseball player. Who comes to your mind as your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, favorite athlete. Well, I mean, you look at a guy like a Bo Jackson. He, there you go. He's just yeah. the man. I'm, I'm sure that's a popular answer for, for many yeah. people. But as Actually, a, you're as the first one. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. This, is, well, this cool. is the inaugural game right here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, yeah. I was a, a Kansas City Royals fan growing up, and George Brett was my my hero yeah. for a baseball player. But I'd say the most athletic by far has got to be Bo Jackson oh, for just God. God-given ability. 
There you go, man. That you hit them all too, because you know, as we know, Bo, Bo knows everything. He can do any sport there is. So you covered it all, dude. I, I was wondering because I thought maybe I thought he might go with a football guy, he might go with a boxer, he might go with somebody you know, like Muhammad yeah. Ali or something. But no, you went right after Bo. I like that. Uh, so pitch <laughs> pitch number two. You hit that one out of the park, by the way. Pitch number two. Got to got to throw you the deuce. All right, I'm gonna yeah. throw you a little curveball here. What is your favorite piece of parental advice? either given to you or that you may give to someone right now, if you want to come up with something, I'm guessing it's going to be something that was passed on to you. Yeah. Parental advice. I, we just like in coaching, just like in everything, I mean, it comes back to how do you parent and the parenting advice again was model the behavior you want to see. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, I just, I, I need to be constantly reminded to how do I talk with my wife? How do we, how do we discuss things? How do we argue? Do we, do we argue in front of the kids or do we save it for behind sure. closed doors? Um, are there, and then it doesn't happen because you both calm down. Exactly. <laughs> so then you just exactly. sweep it under the rug, right? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. But, but I, I can get caught up in instances and, and oh my goodness, I, I forgot my daughter heard me say something or saw something that I did. And I'm kind of a little bit embarrassed for that now, but they're going to, they're going to see and usually remember what you've not only said, but what you did even more than what you said at times. And, and so I just, I, I'm always cognizant of that, even as a coach uh, for our guys and our players, I want to be trying to demonstrate that right reaction, that right feeling, that right passion all the time so that they're not going hog crazy on the, on the ump or they're not, doing something that I don't, I hope I'm not doing as well, where it's stuff that you can't control. We've got to be able to react and, and be under control and control. We can control. So that's great advice. Good advice right there. And then the last pitch, you got a big old sloppy meatball coming at you. What was the <laughs> dumbest or most embarrassing thing that you've ever said in a post game interview? <laughs> the dumbest. Well, or, you know, uh, just embarrassing or yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe there isn't anything that comes to mind. Maybe you're just that good at post game interviews. No, it's not that at all. I'm I'm sure (laughs) I've messed up tremendously, and then you purposely want to forget for sure. Uh, I guess I could take it back into part of my initial inauguration of uh, baseball where we had played in Wrigley Field. I ended up hitting a home run in Wrigley Field, my only, my second of two major league home runs that I've ever hit in the big leagues. <laughs> and it ended, it ended up um, where we went in after the game, we won and there were nothing, there was nothing in our locker except for a old funky looking Skittle colored like dress and, and high heels and like a little <laughs> wig. And basically all of us rookies had to dress up in these tight dresses and, wear them onto the bus, onto the airplane, back to San Diego. I mean, talk about, I was yeah, like that's pretty embarrassing. In cloud, on cloud nine. And now I'm being humiliated like crazy uh, <laughs> in, in front of all parents and or all in front of, in front of fans and media and, sure. and our, our guys. So, yeah, I would say that, oh. that'll bring it, that'll bring it back down to earth pretty quick. Huh? 
No doubt. No doubt. And then you just say to yourself, these are my teammates. These are the guys I got to spend every day with for the rest of the year. This is, this is how I'm getting treated. This will be fun. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. I know. It puts it puts uh, thick skin on you, which is good. You need that in the locker room that's, as always. That's right. so. what builds championships, right? yeah exactly some good ribbon some good ribbon going on i love it that's that's right all right so you did well on those i really appreciate you being the uh, guinea pig on 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 that little uh new new game going i think i like that one i'm gonna keep that going uh and so lastly before i let you finish up with a little bit of advice let's just say uh you were getting voted into the hall of fame of life here how how would you like to be remembered what would you like to be your legacy if you will everybody's talking about legacies nowadays what would you like to have had said uh in your final introduction into the to the uh hall of fame of life hmm. i guess a big thing that kicks that, that sticks out to me right now is uh if i could be remembered as a guy that really cared uh that that was genuine um that spent time with each every every individual and got to know everybody uh, it wasn't just, uh, oh, if you, oh, were you in the big leagues? Oh, okay. I want to hang out with you. Or are you in the minor leagues or are you in the, it doesn't matter who you are it's that he, he had a personal touch with everybody and wanted to get to know you and knew your name and, and valued any information that he could learn from you. I, I mean, it's, that's good stuff. Just, uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said, my friend. And uh, so that's cool. it. Really, I appreciate you. Really do appreciate you coming on the show and taking time out of your busy schedule. I know things are about to get crazy, and I'm, I'm so excited I got a hold of you before the craziness hit and you're going full full steam ahead in spring training. Just to what you just said right there about getting to know people, um, I share that same passion with you, man. And it's been really great getting to know you. Uh, like I said, even at, at the, our first meeting and now the last few conversations we've had, if you could leave us with just uh, maybe one little quick bit of advice to anyone out there that may be sitting on the fence as to making a, a move into the baseball business, whether they're maybe a volunteer coach or a, a high school coach that's part time that's maybe wanted to get into full time scouting or maybe there's a, an inventor out there that's coming up with the next cool app to uh, give us a bunch of other uh, unnecessary metrics that we need for <laughs> for the game. <laughs> so you know, but but in all seriousness, uh, could you shoot any advice anybody out there? Maybe like a younger you that was making the same decision back in two thousand eight. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing is if if it if you really want it, if if there's a passion and you feel called, like this is a calling. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. There there would be mm-hmm. nothing else. And mm-hmm. I, I've heard of others talk about. Hey, what is that passion that you wouldn't care if you got paid for it or not, that you just love doing this? Um, if you have a passion for baseball and for coaching or for scouting or for being amongst it, then be the squeakiest wheel you can be to get into a spot where you want to be. And whether that's high school or college or, or pro, um, start connecting with people and start getting your name out there and say, hey, I, I have a love, I have a passion, I have a desire for doing this and I'll I'll do whatever it takes. I'll I'll clean the bathrooms of the place wherever I'm at to get to start and to learn and to to understand what it takes. And then uh, be, understand that I think people also like creativity and mm-hmm. coming up with new ideas and new thoughts. And and I know with the pirates, we know that you're probably the first creative thing isn't probably going to be the best, but if we try it and it fails, what can we learn from it? And then how can we improve it for next time? Or what can we do better from it next time? 
And that's where just keep brainstorming, keep coming up with ideas. What can we do to improve? What can we do to, to better the chances of, of helping our team get, get to the world series or get to the playoffs or whatever that looks like. And, and in doing that, I mean, there's people want to be around those kind of people. And, yeah. and, uh, and I just know life is too short to spend your time around people that are drainers that, that drain you and you go like, Oh, I, mm-hmm. that depresses me after leading them. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so find, no. <laughs> find those good people that you want to hang out with and be around yeah. and that are going to push you, but that you can then also push as well as, as an accountability type standpoint and say, let's go, let's get after this. Let's see how we, how good we can do with this. And that's, yeah. that, that would be my advice. Very good advice. Very good advice. And I could, I could completely feel that, uh, when you were uh, talking about getting drained here, that was, that, that came right through the, the microphone on my end <laughs> or the headphone. Cause, cause uh, we've both been there. You, we've yeah, we've been there, man. It, you're right. Oh. You're right. It's, and it's some of the hardest, sometimes it's the hardest thing to do. Cause it might even be a person you're really close to, you know, it might be a really good friend or a relative or a parent or a spouse or somebody that's the biggest drainer, you know, and you're like, yeah. I can't just, I can't just write this person out of my life, you know, their blood or whatever. It's, it's so it's tough. Yeah. You gotta, that's, uh, that's when you move away. Right. Uh, so no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. well, oh man, Corey, again, thanks. Thank you so much, buddy, for being on this, this call. I've had a great time. I could talk to you for an, another hour. Uh, no, no problem, man. We got a lot of stuff to share. So, uh, I'm going to let here. you get back to your life and to your day and to your family and all that good stuff. And definitely will be in touch here in the near future. I'd love to get maybe a follow-up, uh, interview after maybe sometime, uh, I don't know. End of spring training. When when does it? Yeah. When do you get another little lull there? Yeah, a little, yeah. We're going to be little, hard at it for till sure. the beginning of April. So once April hits, then we've got Sundays off, and and uh, we've got a little bit more downtime. But no, yeah. I I appreciate your heart, Nick. I appreciate what you're doing too for for pushing the love and the passion of baseball and for encouraging guys. I mean, this is a huge asset to get this information out there and hopefully into the in, into the people that do want to grow and learn from this kind of stuff. Is that you're spending your time. Um, for, for again, no cost to, to you yeah. to actually help improve this sport. And that's awesome, man. So thanks well, for thank, doing that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's my, it's my pleasure. Like I said, this has just been a, a labor of love for the, the last few months that I started this. We are on episode nine for those of you listening here. So I'm excited to get into the double digits. And, you know, my goal is to bring at least two guys in a month and, and have these conversations. And I really like to do my research and find guys that are unique and in what they're doing and, and where they're coming from. And so again, I appreciate you uh, saying those things and uh, thanks for being part of it. Awesome, Nick. Thanks for letting okay, me join cool. you, man. You got it, buddy. Uh, look, I will be in touch, like I said, and uh, enjoy the rest of your okay. week and the weekend. And we'll talk to you soon, Corey. Thanks again. Will do. Okay. Talk to Take you care, buddy. Yeah. Bye. Hey there, Nick Holmes again. Just wanted to say thank you very much for listening to Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. And if you get a second, please head over to worldbaseballexperience.com and put your email address in there, subscribe to our free newsletter. It's not really a newsletter. It's just me collecting your email address so that I can send you uh, updates and new podcast information, maybe some photos and things like that. But don't worry, I don't have the time to spam anybody. So I promise that uh, I'll only be sending you quality information. (laughs) 
Well, maybe not so much quality, but entertaining nonetheless. If you enjoyed today's episode, please pass it on to all of your seamhead friends out there, your baseball enthusiasts. If you didn't like this episode, then you're probably not still listening. So I appreciate your time. And once again, this is Nick Holmes signing off. We'll see you next time on Love the Game, Live the Dream. Take care. Thank mm-hmm. you.